fried chicken in Florida, I would expect to be much better than fried chicken in California. So. But isn't isn't Vaughn's just Albertsons? I guess. Yeah, I think Vaughn's is just Albertsons. I don't know what what. Oh, there's Publix is just Publix, but the Vaughn's fried chicken is still not very good. You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with hosts Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 450 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations, 450. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined this week by Seth Miller. How you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. 450 is a big number. Yeah, they turns out to keep going up. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Addition keeps getting larger. At least. Uh, <laughs> part, part of me says we should just have like a random list of numbers and pick one every time. To really just throw people off? Yeah, Ed would argue that that's what we do anyways, but... That's true. Yeah, he's not wrong. Um, I actually, I actually had a conversation. I went out, uh, to a car show today and I had a conversation with, uh, one of my friend's nephews who's probably 10, huge av geek. Like the kid just loves. Which credit cards did you get him to sign up? For? I did not get him to sign up for any credit cards, <laughs> but he was like, have you ever heard of princess Juliana airport? And I was like, yes, I have. And let me say this to you, kid. If there's an airport that you could convince your parents to go to and let you plane spot all day while they have fun, that's the one you should yeah. tell them. give them a brochure of St. Martin and, and be done with it. Yeah, so <laughs> bar for the adults, planes for adults and kids. Really, it's hard to complain. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got some follow up from last week. You and Foz talked about the new Polaris single aisle seat, and what's your follow up? Um, so after that sort of bit came out, kept digging and looking into other screenshots and pictures and patent details where we could, and I believe I've now actually identified the manufacturer. No. Um, and the specific model. So Edient is the manufacturer. Um, which has been rumored for a while. They are so, also make the, I think they have a seat for American and Hawaiian. The Hawaiian 787 seat is Adiant. Okay. Um, those are a reverse herringbone layout, though, right? Hmm. So head in the aisle, feet at the windows. And in this case, the seat is a herringbone layout, which is head in the windows, feet in the aisles. And that one appears to be their new altitude model. Oh, interesting. So that is definitely... Uh, from the drawings, a herringbone layout, um, you know, plenty of complaints of this about will you be able to get to see out the window, given that you're basically facing more in than forward even. So it's a 49 degree angle. So you're literally facing more aisle than window. Yeah, I would say it's like my least. We've seen this concept like on, is it Virgin Atlantic has this? And... Virgin Atlantic and New Zealand had a herringbone sort of similar. Theirs is actually a less sharp angle. Okay. So theirs is closer to like I think a twenty or thirty degree angle. This is forty nine. So it's very. I don't. I don't love it. Put it in. Yeah, I'm also, like trying to figure out like, you know, when you're looking, when you look at the seat map that you posted on your blog, it's like, mm-hmm. do I? You're basically looking at the aisle, and that's it. And to you'd have to turn uh, almost all the way around. Yeah. Good news, you're not going to see the aisle because there's a little door. But you know. Oh well, that, that makes all the difference. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. I mean, I'm, it's nice. It's nice that they're gonna they're doing one one. You know, they're finding a way to yeah, they're finding a way to put flatbeds on board, right? I mean, yeah. at a density that they think works. The question will be how cozy, confined does it feel when you try to sleep in that? But and how much shoulder space do you really have, both upright and laying down? Yeah, I, I'm looking at uh, you. You have a you have a shot here of the seat in the white, and that's some pretty good uh, you know um, investigation skills you have uh, with that seat and the tag, the little blue tag. The the other kind of giveaway is the blue light and and the Polaris like holes on the on the uh, console. Interesting. Yeah, I miss those. But those are very similar to like things you would see 
on on the seven you know the seventy seven is triple seven seats. Yeah, I think it is very amusing. I mean, for sort of oh like where the light sort of comes through on that storage yep. panel. Yeah, yeah, I see that now. Um, that's interesting. I think it is interesting that when they submitted it for this award thing, they used a branded version of it mm-hmm. as opposed to something somewhat generic. But uh, good times. I mean, do you think that they like United hired them just for this seat? There's so Acumen, who is the company we're talking about here. Acumen did the design thing, designed it, um, and then Acumen and United also des- jointly designed the original Polaris seat mm-hmm. and worked with Safran Seating, which was Zodiac at the time, to build the Twin Isle one. Um, they've now basically coordinated with uh, the eight with Adiant on this one. So it's you know. Who drives what and how does it all happen is always a little vague yeah. um, in those relationships. But, you know, like you can't, I don't think you should like fully design a seat and then go to all the vendors and be like, anyone want to make this? Um, mm-hmm. There's sort of some conversations that are happening before you get to that stage. But um, I do think there are definitely some rough ideas and concepts that come together between the airline and the designer. And then they start talking to seating manufacturers. Is this possible? What do you think? Do you have something that would work for this? How would we get there? Yeah. And, yeah. Pick, and then you pick a manufacturer to move forward. So. Yeah, and I'm looking at this. You have like a one last uh, mock up of the the layout, like a rendering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. It. I mean, it looks tight. I don't know. It, yeah, it's it really looks... hard to tell from that picture. I know what you're saying, but like, and that one's showing it at a 28 inch pitch. Depending on yep. what you read and whatnot, it's there's a 28 version, there's a 30 inch version. Like, obviously, that just mostly just changes the seat width. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll see. Kind of. Um. I mean, I don't want to get too off topic, but do you think Alaska ever does something like this? Like, they're the only one that doesn't have a life flat seat across the country. Yeah. I, they've said in the past, sort of, absolutely not, right? right. Um, and if you look at this, if we sit, if we assume a 28-inch pitch on this, that means two seats takes up 56 inches, which is about what the Virgin seats that they got rid of were, Virgin mm-hmm. America seats. So, uh, as opposed to, like, 36 or 38 inches that they currently fly today. Hmm. Right? Right, you do two two normal domestic first is like a thirty six inch pitch. Yep. So, uh, losing fifty, you know, fifty percent fewer seats is a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I, I think they have a similar challenge that right United is doing this on a sub fleet of the Max tens that are designated for Transcon only, and the XLRs is the assumption, uh, which is you know transit or long haul only international long haul international only. Maybe there'll be some occasional you know newark to florida trip or texas to florida trip kind of mixed in for utilization i i don't think alaska has a fleet and a route map they have a fleet they don't have a route map where that makes as much sense like Mm. are are they big enough to afford a sub fleet just for transcons do they do enough premium transcons is there a premium transcon market out of seattle where most right i actually have to look at excuse me i have to look at sort of what their uh, operations are but like how much of their transcon is out of Seattle versus LA or San Francisco? Yep. Yep. Fair and how much, yeah. And how much would you, which destinations on the East coast would you consider sufficiently premium to do this? And would you, do you do it to Miami? Mm. Yeah. Or I mean, Miami it's good. Lauderdale, right. I yeah, mean, yeah. just thinking through it, but yeah, no. And I mean, and then those markets, right? Like the United doesn't like San Francisco to Fort Lauderdale isn't a life flat seat. So they clearly don't value. Yeah. JetBlue started to put mint on some of those. Mm. which is why I raise them as options. But um, yeah, it's, I don't know what the, what works and what doesn't, right? Like for 
Uh, Alaska Airlines is Newark as premium as JFK. Are either of them premium? I, mm-hmm. I think there's just a lot of who knows going on there. Does, yeah. Is Boston considered premium for anybody anymore? <laughs> well, you got you had a life, let's see. I did. We're going to talk about that in a bit. Okay. Uh, a bit later. But anyway, yeah, th- those are some of the re- questions I would have as to whether that makes sense or not. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, let's talk about Swiss A350 then. Uh, their cabin layout has kind of, they kind of released some more information about it and they're going really premium economy heavy. They are. Um, this is a very interesting. Sorry, I'm also just pulling up the numbers. Seattle uh, massively dominates their transcon market. 150, 250, and 170 is 420. It's, it's about 40% of the transcons. And then LA, San Diego, and San Francisco split yep. the rest. San Francisco's in second. So hmm. L- the only transcons Alaska has from LA are Newark and Dulles. They don't have yeah. LA JFK anymore. They, huh? they killed it. Yeah, they killed JFK. I can't. There was a reason. Uh, I should. I mean, I probably should put DCA on the list here. They do. They, they do, do LA DCA. DCA yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Seattle DCA, if I remember correctly. But and, so, and had, Portland DCA. Oh, see, so is Portland a premium market? No. Stephen would say yes. <laughs> no, I know it's not. I've been on that flight. It's not premium. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, they're, they're, yeah, that's just looking at the numbers. Like adding DCA and adding in Portland, thirteen hundred flights each way across the country for the month of September. Okay, so and roughly four hundred ish of those are out of Seattle. Five hundred if you add in DCA. So I just yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense that they having not having a live flat fleet sub fleet. Yeah, makes and, sense. I mean, it just makes sense. And you could argue, does it add value going to the islands, which is the other place where they have a mass of capacity? Um, but again, are, are those flights really long enough from the West Coast to justify it? You're competing against Hawaiian, who does offer a premium cabin, but also has twin aisles in a lot of those same markets with a much larger economy cabin. Yep. And you're right when you're trying to compete on costs, the size of that cabin matters. And you're competing against Southwest, who has all economy and then United and American to a, I mean, United still has plenty of flights. American, I'm not sure, and Delta where they're at from the West Coast these days, but it's, anyway. Oh, it makes, I mean, yeah, it's, it's weird. Like Delta or United does it. Uh, they do live flats sometimes. Um, but less from, I mean, I feel like United when it does like live flats from San Francisco to the islands, it's because they need to put a triple seven out there for cargo, not for, they don't care about, or because they want to move 350 yeah. people in coach. And the fact that there's 24 seats up front is lucky for them that they get to also sell that. That's Very not true. why they put that plane there. Yeah, exactly. No, it's a good, anyway, good point. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Swiss. Uh, yeah, so p- heavy premium economy. Uh, 38 premium economy seats on the new Swiss A350. Yeah. It's uh, a lot. It, it is. It is. Absolutely. I'm, I'm trying to think back of if anyone else has any similarly large premium economy cabins on their long-haul planes. I don't think there's anyone. There's probably someone that I'm blanking. Yeah, but I can't like, think of anybody off the top of my head. Like, maybe BA's 77Ws? I'm trying to think of what BA is on, like, on their three-class 77W or something like that. But even BA tends to focus more on business class if they go heavy. Yeah. Um, and there's plenty of business class seats on the Swiss plane. There's also the first class row, um, just the one row. And this is like we saw when Lufthansa announced its Allegris first class seat and like the weird double bed in the middle. Yep. Yep. Swiss also has, they call it Swiss senses instead of Allegris because go Lufthansa group common branding. Um, this is actually the same product. So which is a big <laughs> step forward for the group. Uh, but the, the first class seat there. Uh, is labeled as two seat letters, and you can buy it for one person or for two. 
And I'm real interested to see how the pricing on that goes. Right, That's sort of like how Etihad sells the residents. Mm-hmm. You buy the residents and you can tell them if you have one person or two and if you have two, you pay just the extra tax departure taxes, basically. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. But you've bought the space and you can do it, you know, <laughs> say do whatever you want with it. Put as many people in there as are legally allowed. Um, <laughs> so, that yeah, that's an interesting bit. The other thing that is super weird on that cabin uh, is right behind premium economy. So first class is obviously at the front. You get business class between doors one and two. And then business class keeps going. At some point, it switches to premium economy. And then you get to door three, which is aft of the wings. But before, yep. right before you get to door three, there's two rows of economy, like basically in the premium economy cabin. Yeah, that's weird. I'm looking at the seat map right now. It's strange. And like the front row of those is only 232 instead of... Uh, 3-3-3. 3-3-3. Sorry, that's the other interesting thing about the premium economy cabin. They went 232 instead of 242. I mean, I'm happy to see that. Yeah. With an upcoming trip at the end of this week in a 242 where I screwed up and I'm going to be in one of the middle of the fours, uh, I'm strongly in favor of not having those. <laughs> uh, so BA's uh, 77W has 44. Uh, okay. premium, uh, World Travel Plus or Premium Economy. Yeah. Is that in the three cabin or the four cabin layout? That's in the four cabin. Interesting. Yeah, that that plane is also super premium. I think those go all the way back to the door. Like, yeah, pretty much. Right? Yep, yep. And then you've got that. It's still 100 and something seats, but that like... 140 or 150 seats, I think, of economy because it's 10 abreast in that last between the last two sets of doors. But yeah, that makes sense. So. Which is, I mean, which is it's crazy when you think about it, like how big that plane is and how many people they're putting. Yeah, <laughs> the the seven eight the seven eight ten on BA is 35 recliners in World Travel Plus. Okay, and that's four cabin as well. Yeah, all right, that makes sense then. So yeah, so they're close, but I mean, I'd I'd say this is like the only other carrier that's doing such a large premium economy cabin. Yeah, so that that is nice to see. I think that it's nice as a passenger who, um, if United and Swiss could get their act together in terms of selling awards for premium economy, that'd be super cool for me because maybe there's a chance these things will start to show up in Boston. Uh, yeah, 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 I'm kidding. But uh, even without that, if they start showing up in Boston, I mean, they won't. They'll, they'll, we'll keep the smaller planes in Boston, the 330s, although I think these are replacing some of those. Or these are replacing the 340s, aren't they? So Yeah, the 343s, I think, yeah. So we'll probably just keep the 330s in Boston, but whatever. You never know. They might shift things around. Yeah, maybe, you know, we'll become important. Uh, um, let's see. So let's let's talk about the big stories. Um, Delta. Delta. So there's been a bunch of changes to Sky Miles and Sky Club. Um, and I think the general gist that I've seen is people are not happy. I'm shocked. Shocked to learn that when something changes in a loyalty program, people are unhappy about it. But but let's 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 be let's not no snark. The the, the changes in this one. Are I'm sorry. Have you have you fed us? <laughs> but it, the changes are bad, right? I mean, it's not good. The changes are significant. I'll get, grant that. Um, so a couple things. One, it's medallion earning, not general points earning. Yep. Change. That's one thing. Uh, I think the Sky Club changes are definitely bad. Well, and you, I mean, we talked about this a little bit offline, and I think your point is a salient one, which is they've created kind of two separate uh, statuses here. They've created a Sky Mile status, and they've created a Sky Club status, basically, yeah. are doing this. And and that's the part where I'm sort of dumbfounded, and I get it. They sold too many credit cards. Too many people have access to the clubs. The clubs are too crowded. They obviously had to go back and work with American Express to figure out how to reshuffle, rejigger their uh, co-brand portfolio what the remuneration yeah. back and forth is going to be, right? All those things and what the benefits are going to be. 
The lounge access changes, that's the one where I could absolutely 100% respect people being like, this is bullshit. So the changes yep. there are the Delta Platinum co-brand card from American Express as of Jan 1, 2025. And so let's give them credit for providing plenty of notice. Uh, no longer gets lounge access. The reserve card, and that's the 250 dollars a year annual fee one. Yep. Uh, the reserve card, which is the $500 annual fee, will go, uh, members will get 10 visits per year. Uh, a visit is counted as an entry to any club with the caveat that if you are in an airport that has multiple clubs and as you visit them within a three-hour span, that still only counts as one. And the example Delta specifically gives is you're in the gate, you're in the, you know, B gates at the club and we move your flight to the T gates, you can move to that club while you're waiting for departure. Uh, if you go to one of the grab-and-go locations, however, that counts as a separate visit. If you have a connecting flight and you go at your origin and at the connection point, that counts as two visits. I think that's bullshit. Um, that's that's my yeah. two cents on that one. I would love it to be like, oh, the flight was only an hour, and so I was in both clubs within three hours. Shouldn't that be the same thing? But, <laughs> uh, I could see that. But no, that's... And Delta was pretty clear about that in their FAQ of what those visits count as. And then we get into what you do. Oh, and sorry, if you have a non-Delta branded platinum card, which is, I want to say $700 these days, something like that, yep. uh, you get six visits to a Delta Sky Club. The That card also comes with a bunch of other lounges, presumably, you know, like a priority pass and some other stuff, assuming you've got one of those in your build in the airport, but still. Uh, and then if you spend $75,000 on the card in a calendar year, you bump up your lounge card status from limited to unlimited and right at the end of the day i keep coming back to they've always been they've, they've been very clear for the past decade if not longer that uh money talks yeah. it's not about how much time you spend with us it's not about how many miles you fly it's about how much money you spend especially at the top tier and this is very much that the big shift on that front here is that $25,000 on the Cobran card, which is certainly generates a lot of money to American Express, much of which gets pushed back through to Delta, is no longer even remotely enough. Yeah. Uh, they basically have tripled the expectations there at a minimum. And then how much of that translates into elite status credit uh, is a whole different story. But that, that, that's my take on the lounge situation, which I agree. I will absolutely agree. That I think that's bad news. For, I mean, it's just good news for people who actually, you know, like want to get can get into the lounge without waiting in line for an hour. Uh, I, I think a mix though. Like I think part of me says it's, it's there's, I think we have to see how it plays out. I think sure. Delta is biting. And I posted this on Twitter. I think Delta's biting the hand that feeds it. Like Delta, the reason you're doing well with these, co these credit card co-brands is because you've pushed your lounge. You've, you know, pushed the benefits so hard that people took you up on it. And, they're going to see those the retract a huge retraction. It's arguably huge. I mean, I'm sure they've done the math and they've said how how often are most of our customers going into a lounge, but the but the, even the the connection piece, I think if people are going to be, why am I doing this? Like, why am I still paying for this card with the when the benefit is so low? Yeah, and so I absolutely agree. There's going to be the shakeout on the co-brand and right this the co-brand partnership was five billion dollars last year. Uh, -huh. uh right. So. There's obviously a lot of room for things to move in both directions. Will some of those cardholders that are paying 250 a year now switch to the 550 card? I bet yes. Mm. Will some also cancel it? Absolutely. Right? Will some people who were only spending 50-ish thousand dollars a year on the card because they got their MQM bonus and whatever and then move to other things uh, spend more to get to the 75k tier? Probably. 
Yeah. But there's going to be others who are like, well, that was, you know, I used to get bonus MQMs that made me qualify for status and I had my lounge access and now it's not enough lounge and the amount of money I spend on it isn't enough to get me the bonus M, you know, doesn't offset the bonus I need for lounge access or not, excuse me, for status. So never mind. And but I do think it'll go both ways. Right. And I think that the population we interact with online in general is far more focused on cheap elite status. Which, I mean, we all know that was, that, was, that was a dying thing. I mean, sure. Yeah. yeah, right. I mean, one of the guys I was chatting with about this on Twitter and, excuse me, on X, uh, and I you know, respect the position he's coming from, but he's like, well, I used to spend $25,000 a year on the card and fly 75,000 miles to get my platinum status. And now I will, I would barely make silver. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it was, uh, and he would just call it, he would hit the MQD, uh, didn't hit MQDs, right? So he, he didn't hit the old $12,000 spend. Yep. Number. Um, or was right at the cusp of that. Some, it was something, it was right at the cusp of that. And maybe there's a bonus somewhere. Like you did the math on it. You're like, yeah, you were spending three cents per EQM, which historically, I mean, a decade ago, we consider that a great mileage run price point, right? Like you're basically mileage running for status and they're still com- trying to come up with ways to not make that a viable participation angle in their program. I, yeah, I, I, mean, I kind of get that. He's, I mean, he's making the argument for why Delta, I mean, Delta does not really want him to get higher status. Yeah. And you're doing, especially if you're doing it as an international traveler, you're probably using benefits on partners. You're probably using lounge benefits more. Like there's, there's a whole bunch of reasons that's a more expensive elite to service even. So again, like good on you for take, you know, ride the ride as long as you can, um, as long as it makes sense for you. But it's hard for me to get too upset with an airline for looking at, looking at that sort of behavior and being like, nope, that's not who we're looking for. Mm. Um, and let's let's talk. We actually haven't really explained the changes in the elite status qualification. Yeah, 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 we, yeah. we only did a lounge so far. So medallion rules change. Uh, everything goes to MQDs or medallion qualifying dollars. I think that's a terrible mistake to keep that branding terminology name because it yeah. just makes it clear that it's only dollars uh, rather than Americans loyalty points, which for the record is almost an identical program. Delta more or less copied American for this part of the stuff. Uh, you are an MQDs on the dollars you spend at the airline, you earn it for uh, vacations, bookings, rental car and hotel bookings through the Delta portal. And you earn it for uh, credit card spend. It's either $10 earns an MQD on the reserve card or 20 earns it on the other card, the platinum. Hmm. So, and they raised the qualification requirements uh, up to, what's it? 6, 12, 18, 35. For the four tiers, 6,000, 12,000, 18,000, and 35,000 for silver, gold, platinum, and diamond. Um, again, very, very similar to how American is doing things. Obviously, if you were spending, if you were getting there by spending a lot of money on, you know, a credit card, the $25,000 you were spending on your platinum card before used to earn you the MQD waiver. Now it earns you, uh, 1,250 of the 6,000 points you need to get to silver. <laughs> so that, that's a massive change. Yeah. 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 And I get that concern. Um, but uh, the, the the idea there, and they also, you know, Delta, and again, in the FAQ had their, like, these are the ways that this person could qualify. Like, this is our average customer that we think will qualify for this status. And it's like, passenger flies four $400 round trip tickets, stays in a hotel over the course of a year. Uh, and it's $500 tickets, it's 400 before taxes, because taxes and fees don't count. Um, so they're spending roughly 2000 out of pocket on airfare. Uh, they book 
their rental cars through our portal every time at a couple hundred bucks a pop and they book a few five six hundred dollar hotel stays and yeah it adds up pretty quickly if the trick or the catch there is if you do that you you're booking through their expedia portal at least for now you're not getting elite status at your hotel and that's a problem for yep. a lot of people yep and and they're not always the best price so if you are actually price conscious and, you know, do a little research, you probably will find a better priced hotel or a better priced rental car. Yeah. Or a better price for even that one through a different booking engine. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, I, yeah. It's just, so, it's, um, yeah. We'll, we'll but, they're, but, but they're awarding the dollars. Yeah. And Delta takes a cut on that booking, right? Like, I mean, I've seen the affiliate referral stuff on the Expedia portal. I know what those numbers are. They're, Delta's going to be real happy with the revenue they get. They'll be happy to give you yeah. your MQD credit. Yeah. I mean, and this, com- this comes to another topic that we're going to actually talk in a bonus show. And it's like, is it, are we at the, are we at the peak of travel? Like, have we kind of fallen off the cliff? Are we starting to fall off the cliff? And is Delta making this decision hastily with, during all of this? Yeah. And we'll see. I mean, for now, it, the folks reporting that cliff seem to be the LCCs and ULCCs, not the legacies. But isn't that a, isn't that a, just like a, what would we call that? Like a, you know leading indicator yeah canary in the coal mine <laughs> yeah um, uh possibly yeah so we'll talk about that on the bonus show um yeah. let's talk about air canada and family sharing yes uh, we actually had a, co- a question comment from a listener asking noting that air canada's family sharing option is suspended for new enrollments and asking if we had any ideas what's going on there hmm. uh and i'm disappointed that Foz is not on the show because we were actually talking about this offline with him a little bit uh over the past week or two uh and the short answer is there has been apparently some uh, fraud. You'll be shocked to learn. Yes. Uh, uh, and that's 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 because, I mean, there's really no rules. There have been no yeah. rules up to this point. Yeah. And I, I mean, listen, when the program was, I actually went back and found my post from August 2020 when the program launched. And I wrote at the time, the family sharing plan comes uh, com- comes with almost no rules as to who can participate. Yeah, dot, 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 dot. Could this be susceptible to fraud? Sure, but the company appears less concerned about that than making sure legit users can take advantage of the benefits Aeroplan offers. Hmm. My how things have changed in the past three years after they realized just how bad the abuse was. Yeah. Um, yep. So, sucks. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do to, I don't know, come up with a plan that uh, eliminates mileage brokers who were the fraud problem and not take away from legit consumers. Yep. and families uh more groups of friends but yeah that's uh i mean it was a i think it was a pretty it had a good run <laughs> yeah well i think it was i think people were intrigued by the the, the potential it held right for families yeah. and friends and to have it kind of yanked out is disappointing all because there's people who are trying to take extra advantage of it which is it seems like it's the story of like miles geeks yeah, and someone turned it into a business i mean all, right like the discount for being a credit card holder or an elite member passed yeah. everybody in the group so you could sort of create a earning farm pool machine, whatever of a groups of eight people and sort of rotate around who had which points where. Yep. Uh, it, it was very obvious when it was available, when it was announced that there was going to be potential for abuse. Yeah. Right. Like I tried to be polite, but I basically said, this is going to get abused here. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all saw that potential. Uh, and I, to their credit, I think air Canada did too. I don't think they thought it would be as bad as it turned out to be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then there's a new United Club in Denver. Well, it's not new. It's a revamped. United yes. Club. And expanded, right? They Yes. yes they did make it larger. Um, now, what's like 600 seats, the largest one in the world? Yep. It's, it's huge. I mean, 600 
Petite, I'm sure it's still packed, but yeah. <laughs> and, well, and then, so this is east, right? Yes. Now and then they had to close. They closed west to renovate it as well. Yep. Um, and A has one because the A has a, a has a new one as well or a redone one. Um, yeah. And I will so, say, I I w- was out in Denver a couple weeks ago. Now, uh, when I passed through, I we landed at the new gates mm-hmm. on B. And so, first of all, that concourse is stupid long. Yeah. Uh, but the new gates out at the end there and like the spotter deck outdoor area, yeah. it's super nice. Oh, yeah. It's great. I, I actually like it a lot over there. Yeah. Um, and then you get into the center of the concourse, like toward the middle, and you're like, oh, my God, it's too many people. Um, yeah. and, is there, <laughs> and is there a pressure washer available to clean this gray off of everything? Yes. Yes, exactly. I mean, I, I do think it's awesome. Uh, I don't know if you used the restroom out of those new gates. Did you? I did not. It was crowded, so I kept walking. Yeah, yeah. The the windows, like when you're washing oh, your yeah, hands, yeah. Uh, look out on the have a view. It's kind of, it's kind of awesome. So nice. I, I do I do enjoy it. Um, but it is a walk, and it's weird. It is weird that there's no people movers down there, like yeah. at all, um, until you well, get to the old gates. If they put people movers, and they just have to take them out later to put in some OTG stations. This is true. Very true. Fair. Sorry that I Foz isn't yeah. with us, so I figured I should channel him every now and then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this is that's that's fair. <laughs> that felt very Foz to me. It was. It was. <laughs> I, I will. I will give you that. Um. So I mean, I think yeah, but this the new club I think is going to be much better. Um, yeah. Hopefully, uh, than what is there or was there. Um, because it was way too packed, and they're using up some of the space. So as you went up the escalators to the United Club, you kind of passed a a level. Um, I don't even know what to call it. I think I've talked, I've called it the mezzanine. Um, and that's now like a beer bar area. Um, and then you keep going up and it's now more clubs. So they've, they've definitely added some space. I'll be, I'm interested to see what it looks like in person when I go and like what the layout is and stuff. Um, some of the rooms look like they don't much, they don't have much natural light, which I find a little disappointing, but, um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, um, and beer flights, right? They're they're leaning in heavily to the local scene, so you can get yep. like many beer flights for seven or nine dollars, whatever. It's again, it is a United Club. They're still charging for various premium things. Um, yep. I think those prices are probably fair, especially for airport pricing. Yeah, that's right. not bad. Given that I had breakfast at a restaurant in the terminal and I ordered a side of bacon, and it was five dollars for two strips of bacon, I think seven dollars for a couple beers isn't terrible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's good news. Yeah. Um, let's see what else we got. Uh, new 737 Max order for Vietnam Airlines. Yeah, they're going to get 50. Uh, I don't remember if that's all firm or not, but, uh, main reason I called attention to that this week is they had historically been in all A320 family operations. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to say they've, they've been for a, the single aisles. Yeah. Um, they do, they do 787s and 350s on the twins, if I remember correctly, but, uh, you think it's this is because it's hard for them to get their hands on more 320s and 321s? I, I think that that is probably part of it. I think you know, Boeing has certainly indicated that it will be aggressive in pricing and working to get its planes out there. Um, yeah. And delivery timelines are more flexible. I, I also I should have paid more attention. Uh, I really just caught the headline of this when it came out. I don't know which uh, variant they are. Yep. Um, and if they're the 10s, which I think they should be. Uh, oh, Hang on a second. I got an email from their PR team. I might have some of those details. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's their max eights. So they're not they're not going for the biggest, which is interesting. Yep. Uh, it, it was tied to Joe Biden's visit to Vietnam for talks on key trade agreement issues. And uh, interestingly, the, the delivery timing is uh, in the twenty thirty to twenty thirty five. Oh, it's, it's ways off. Yeah. 
Um, or yeah, I, this is a very weird. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, yeah, I still mean, managed to make it work. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, let's talk about Breeze in Canada. Almost. <laughs> Canada <Plattsburgh>. South. <laughs> Canada South. Montreal South. Uh, Plattsburgh uh, is basically uh, Plattsburgh or is Montreal South. They they're trying to pitch it as like the Montreal U.S. Airport or something like that. And it's, it's like an hourish drive, and you but you got you cross the border. Um, similar to how Bellingham is used for Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, and I guess Buffalo to a limited extent for Toronto. Uh, Plattsburgh gets some traffic from Montreal. Breeze is going to launch Orlando flights and hopes to catch that. Uh, the other slightly interesting, which you know is what it is. Um, be interesting to see if they can make it work and you know why they would where others couldn't. But the other slightly interesting thing about that is uh, Breeze had at one point put in for uh, L.A. to SJD. What's the... Uh, one of the Mexican oh, uh, Cabo, Cabo San Lucas. Cabo, yeah, yeah, Cabo. Uh, to launch in November, like once a week on Sundays, basically trying to get their international legs under them, um, proof to the DOT that they should be able to allow uh, allowed to fly more broadly internationally. Uh, it seems like that might be pushing off to the spring now. So, hmm. I mean, doesn't Allegiant already do Orlando Sanford from to Plattsburgh? Oh. Yeah. I guess so. They, they might. I didn't think about I was it. Just, I was just looking up other air. You know, there's 22,000 yeah. 22, passengers a year um, to Fort Lauderdale on Allegiant and 21,000 to Orlando on Allegiant. To Fort Lauderdale. Interesting. Well, we got some other Allegiant conversation coming up here. So that's yeah. interesting. Um, and then uh, Mexico, back to tier one with the FAA. Yeah. Finally got that sorted out. Uh, <laughs> like two and a half years. Yeah. Um, and. I think we, t- we talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago because uh, Allegiant and Viva Aerobus, their joint venture application was suspended by the DOT. Or not, it wasn't suspended. The uh, consideration was suspended by the DOT yep. while they tried to sort out whether uh, what was going on with Mexico and especially the new airport um, in Mexico City. And I don't know if the U.S. folded on that one or what because... Right. Obviously, Allegiant was like, hey, like, we understand you've got bigger fish. You've got your like this problem here, but we don't care about that. And you are holding us hostage for your other economic negotiations. That's like a different thing. Please let us yep. keep going. Yep. Um, so that was part of it. But yeah, I'm I am very intrigued to see what happens uh, with the airport stuff. Also, we talked about this last week. We have to mean is like uh, AMLO, the president there has announced that he's just going to remove 17 percent of the slots at the Mexico City airport. No, he's going to push everybody to the other one. Yep. To push everybody, to, the, to force everybody to the other one. Yep. Um, so, yeah, very strange happening still in Mexico. And that came with very little notice. So, Do um, you think the, the Allegiant Viva Aerobus stuff moves forward immediately? I don't know if it gets approved immediately, but I think with that resolved, um, with the Tier 1 stuff resolved, it's not clear if that's the that was the only consideration that was why they were delayed. I think... Uh, that was a stumbling block, arguably, for some of the... Or the, I think the FAA may have been trying to use Tier 1, restitute, or restoring that as part of the negotiation over the airport situation, and finally realized they couldn't do that anymore. Yeah. If that makes sense. So the airport situation is still very much in play, and that that technically is what the JV uh, was being handling, was being suspended over. So as long as that airport situation is still unresolved, I think the JV situation is probably... Uh, still that jv is still 
hand on suspended for consideration that said like i think the delta era mexico not quite joint venture they call it something else uh could come back yeah yeah yeah. very quickly right new new service can be launched now uh new code shares can be established so some of this will potentially take effect quickly yeah yeah absolutely um let's talk about JetBlue and their divestments at uh newark and boston so this ties back to i think it was february JetBlue in its efforts to uh convince the dot and doj that its merger with spirit is reasonable for consumers said that they would divest all of spirits resources in boston and in newark and some gates in fort lauderdale okay uh sorry new york not just newark uh Earlier this summer, they announced that Frontier would take over their slots at LaGuardia and the Marine Air Terminal, which is where Spirit flies out of today. Uh, Last week, they announced, I think it was just last week, uh, they announced that Allegiant would take over the Newark and Boston Logan uh, slots and gates. Hmm. And what's super interesting about this to me is that Allegiant really operates an asymmetrical schedule, right? It's highs and lows. They, they don't fly at, to a, a lot of their airports every day. And these markets are sort of everyday markets. Yep. So are the slots are everyday slots. I don't know what Allegiant is going to do uh, in that in that scenario. Hmm. Like, I guess they will. I guess they'll use are they them, gonna, but... Yeah, I mean, do they add flights to somewhere else or up frequency to where they're going? Yeah, it's... Well, they'll, they'll have to increase frequencies because they have to use them all the time. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, do they do they offer flights to a different place to hold the slots rather than, you know, oh, it's, you know, Boston to wherever. Yeah. I mean, four like, times a day. I'm looking at, uh, I just pulled up Sirium while we're talking here. I'm looking at Allegiant's schedule for the coming week. Allegiant will operate 1,588 flights. They'll operate 372 on Sunday, which is when we're recording this, 310 on Monday, 41 on Tuesday. 68 on Wednesday, 384 on Thursday, 315 on Friday, and 98 on Saturday. Wow. The slots that Spirit has at Newark and Boston are not split like that. Yep. And so, yes, they do operate some things every day. And I'm, I mean, where are these Wednesday flights or, thir- you know, yeah, they're not even Nashville. Nashville's got a bunch of Thursday flights or Wednesday mm-hmm. flights. Hmm. Las Vegas has a few. I think that, yeah, if I'm Nashville is the biggest uh, departure bank. And even that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Right. It's it's just a bizarre schedule. Yeah. 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 So um, do you think uh, do you think you like United or Delta steps in and says, no, we don't want Allegiant to get these? Doesn't they can't really. Oh, OK. They have no foot to stand on. Really? No. Um, yeah. Same for the Tuesday stuff. Nashville gets six. Las Vegas gets five. Uh, four. No, St. Petersburg gets three. Uh, Sanford, Orlando gets three of the wow. 41. That Like, yeah. Uh, oh, there we go. AZA. That's uh, Mesa is yep. five also. Wow. So anyway, yeah. I mean, there's places where they're doing it. I hope it works for them. It's not something they do a lot of. And so that is going to be an interesting shift for their business to have to figure out how to not only you know manage operations for that, right? Part of their operations is based on everybody having a couple days to rest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the planes have time to rest if they get out of position, things like that. So interesting if that goes through, obviously that all depends on the merger going through, uh, that lawsuit is next month. They're still bickering now about who is going to be allowed to testify and what evidence can be introduced. Uh, the DOJ or DOT is trying to prevent Sarah Nelson, who's the head of the 
AFA, CWA, the flight attendant union, mm-hmm. from testifying because she apparently has data that says it's economically good for the crew, but does not take into account consumers, and they don't want that introduced. <laughs> and the Spirit is, or the airlines are trying to get uh, comments made by Spirit Airlines during the proxy fight when both Frontier and JetBlue were bidding. And Spirit came out and repeatedly said, there's no way the DOJ is going to approve this. What are we even doing here? They're now trying to get that like uh, barred from being introduced because obviously it doesn't look great. doesn't look great for them. Oh, man. Well, fun to watch. Um, so we're going to stop it here and have, go to our bonus show for our Patreon subscribers. Uh, we're going to talk about some upgrade shenanigans. Uh, what's Semi shenanigans? Semi shenanigans. Semi shenanigans. Uh, what next year holds for New York City air travel and uh, whether or not we've reached the end of revenge travel. Um, and we're going to talk about all that. So if you're a Patreon subscriber, stick around and we'll talk to you soon. If not, thanks for listening to the show. Leave us a comment. Tweet us. We'd like to hear from you. And we'll talk to you in the next one. Happy travels. It's called X, Steve, and they have to X us now. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm not, I'm not saying that.